Hello and welcome back to the Steph Gorton Show. I am joined today by somebody I've actually known for a few years now, a woman who I actually look up to in so many ways for the way that she disrupts industries, for the way that she thinks, for the way that her mind works in big ways that I very rarely see in female entrepreneurship. So I'm really excited to have Catherine Clayton joining me today on the podcast. She is the CEO and co-founder of Peachy, which is an insurance company that is changing the game in Australia and hopefully worldwide at some stage. Their tagline is insurance, but better. And we're going to talk about that today, but welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thanks, Steph. So awesome to be here. Very nice to be here. So we first connected, Catherine joined the PMP Mastermind probably like, what, two years ago? OG founder at the time. OG, yeah, two, two and a half years ago. Yeah. Just trusted me even though we were a baby, had no real like experience yet fully, but we're so, so honored to be able to have you in that mastermind. I'm going to dive into kind of where you've come from and where you've got to today. But guys, the reason I want you to listen today, just before we touch on anything else, is because the way that Catherine thinks is the way that all women should start to think. I really genuinely believe this. I believe that I have a lot to learn from Catherine. I believe that you probably have a lot to learn from Catherine. But also, we're going to be talking today about investing in terms of getting investment in your business. So angel investing, funding, that sort of thing. So if you guys have a big idea and you are interested in what funding could look like for your business, we're going to be touching on that today. But for everybody else, who is Catherine Clayton? Tell me a little bit about who you are and what a day in your life looks like at the moment. Oh, what a big question. All right. I'll start with wife and mum because, you know, every day starts with wife and mum duties. But above and beyond that, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Peachy Insurance. So I've had a long career in the world of corporates, working in organizational transformation and leadership across a number of exciting industries and boring industries and all of the above. So now I am, I guess, on a journey to start a big business of my own, which is Peachy Insurance with my co-founders. And so a lot of my time at the moment is really spent bringing that vision to life. So we are pre-launch at the moment and have spent a long time really doing everything we need to do to get this baby ready to go. And Mm. we're just in the process of putting the final touches on the vision, I guess, of what we want to bring to market very soon in the world of insurance. And for a bit of context, Peachy Insurance is really looking to, I guess, disrupt the way insurance is marketed in the market and make it more relevant and available to younger people in particular. So insurance is a great example of an industry that has just not evolved or changed very much over time. And younger people have really outgrown the way that these products are made and and sold. So that's sort of what we're trying to do. And the offering really just looks like single item insurance on cool stuff. So if you think about earrings, designer handbags, shoes, all those really expensive things that fall through the cracks of traditional insurance, we've got an offering really to help people cover that expensive gear. So that's us. I want to talk about just how we got here because I think that this is a really interesting conversation and the fact that it's so different. And guys, today I'm going to be getting an update from Catherine that I haven't had since the inception of the business, which is really exciting. So I remember one afternoon you messaged me, you're like, hey, can I run an idea past you? I have an idea. At the time you were in the mastermind, we had a completely different offering, which we'll touch on later. Yeah. But you came to me, you're like, I have this idea. Can I just run it past you? And I want to get your opinion on it. And you mentioned about peach insurance. You were like, look, It's just so annoying that we have these really expensive items that we buy and we probably buy a lot with our own money, especially as independent, strong women. (laughs) And that maybe our husbands aren't fully aware of the value or even, you know, getting it even put on the home and contents insurance is literally a nightmare in the first place. 
And you said to me, I've got this idea for insurance where you can insure a single item, small kind of cost insurance. And originally you kind of were thinking about makeup and those sorts of things that you leave in the back of a taxi after a drunk night out. Tell me about from that very, very clever kind of seed concept to now, how has the business model changed? Like from what you thought it was going to be versus two years later where you are now, how has that changed? It's funny, right? So I would say the core has actually not changed that much. And I think this is something that's really important when you have a big idea and it hits and it resonates with people. You know, you, you can't drift too far from the core essence of what you're wanting to do. So the core of it was insurance just isn't flexible enough for modern young consumers. That just doesn't work. What has had to change over time is the how. And I often talk about like the what and the how. There's the what you're trying to do, what you're trying to get over the line, the vision, all that kind of stuff. The how is where shit gets gnarly, right? So anyone in business, I think that would probably agree. The how is where you really need to have that resilience and that flexibility. So, you know, the insurance industry is a beast, right? So we start with, okay, well, how do you start an insurance company? How do you sell you know, like you don't just open a shop, <laughs> like put up an Instagram page. Like, so what does that look like, right? So then there's this whole path of activity around conversations with lawyers and brokers and kind of a massive fast upskill about that. And then you go, okay, cool. Well, there's a way forward. There is a way forward. There's a way that we can operate. Yes, there's a lot of regulation that's kind of scary and intense, but I don't think people should be put off when an industry looks like it's impenetrable because it's not. Every industry can be disrupted. You can make your way forward. I mean, other than banking, there's probably not much higher regulated industry than insurance and financial services, especially off the back of the Royal Commission. So I think often people get daunted before they get started. So you just have to go that path. Okay, cool. So cool. There is a way forward. We can do this. Great. And then the next track is validating what you want to do and the branding and bringing some of those things that are just little ideas to life. And again, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of people on uh, listening that have created brands and understand, you know, what that's all about. And then the next piece is the technology. Now, you know me, Steph. I don't do tech. Steph's laughing. I can't use yeah. the printer. It's legit. <laughs> and that's not like talking it up. I legitimately can't use a printer. It's amazing. I'm on Zoom and recording right now. I just don't have the mental bandwidth for technology. I, I essentially opt out of tech. I don't really want to know. But this is a tech-enabled business. Peachy has a, a really cool tech stack that integrates into the point of purchase experience for our customers. So what did I do? I, you know, we went out there and we found the best partner in that market and basically said, let's work on this together. That really has been the journey, like not being daunted by what we need to do and then just having these little tracks forward step by step. And over time, you know, you kind of get to a place where you're like, fuck, this is about to be real, which is epic. And then the fundraising, I forgot to mention that. We needed money. Yeah, you needed quite a bit of money. Like that's quite a lot to fund. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to us about the money. Like let's go there first. How much did you need? How did you figure out how much you needed? And then where did you get it? Oh man, that's such a fun question because you start off with a view of how much you need and then you realize that you don't need it all at once, right? So like in theory, you need this big pot of money. Anyone looking to raise money, I suggest listening to podcasts like How I Built This and just understanding that process, mainly out of the US around sort of funding startups. So there is a big number and it's millions that you kind of go, we really need this. But the process you need to get through is like, what are the milestones and what does the funding look like for those milestones? And 
then it's about understanding where you can get money. And if you haven't thought about a big business, most often smaller businesses are, are what we call bootstrapped. So essentially people make money, spend money, reinvest it back in the business and so on. And that's how they grow. But if you haven't thought about getting investment, it can be a really crazy world. And essentially there's like a ladder of where you get money from based on where you're at in your business journey. So they all talk about the friends and family. So that's sort of like the first, <laughs> the first round. And I remember you came to me. You were like, Hey, have you got anything you can give me? Got like, any money? What's that going to look like? You know, Hey, they really wanted to. And it was one of those things, obviously, like I have massive belief in this from the very beginning. It's not commonly done in Australia and especially yes. in Perth. Well, interestingly, Perth, once you scratch under the surface, you will be very surprised it's here. And it's kind of like one of those worlds. And unless you participate in it, you don't know that it exists, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a great friend of ours who saw the vision and wrote a check and a couple of others as well through the Angel Network in Perth. And that's what they do. They go around, they look for opportunities and they write checks essentially to help you on your way. And I appreciate for some people that would just sound fucking bizarre that, you know, you can walk around and take other people's money and have shareholders and away you go. But that's how we're going to take over the world is build massive businesses and return great shareholder money back to our investors. So it's one of those things that can be really strange to get your head around, but it exists. And there are a lot of people in Perth who've made a lot of money, angel investing and investing in early stage, typically mining businesses, but tech businesses are becoming more of a thing, but any kind of business. Mm -hmm. And there's also crowdsourcing platforms becoming a lot more mainstream. But that's essentially what we did. We kind of marked out what that first milestone was, which for us was the tech build essentially. And Mm -hmm. we got investment for that. We hit that milestone. And then, you know, as you kind of go along and along, you go up the food chain in terms of who's investing in you through, you know, venture cap firms and bigger firms. And that's in our future. But yeah, again, it's that step by step. What is our pathway forward? You don't have to go out there and raise $5 million, which I thought I was going to do. Shame. I really thought I could run around town with a pitch tech. <laughs> and everyone and would just pay you. Dollars. You're like, yeah, I know people. People will definitely pay us $5 million. I've got a PowerPoint. I'm good. But what's funny about that process is you have to put a valuation on your business in most cases. So I won't go down the rabbit hole, but you start to get a little bit savvy and go, actually, I'm just going to take what I need build, hit a milestone, get a better valuation or prove it out more and more and and you make your way along until you mm. ultimately get to market. But What an incredible yeah. learning curve. Honestly, I went from most of my time was spent trying to bring this baby to life and, and nuance all the elements of this business to my job is to raise money because if I couldn't raise the money, there was nothing. It was just a PowerPoint. Let's talk about female disruptors because that's really what you are. In our initial conversation, you said to me, Steph, I just want to walk in a boardroom and just shake some shit up. Like I just think that the insurance industry is so stale and boring and it needs a fresh perspective. And I want to be the one who makes a change in this industry. Talk to me about where the hell you got the balls from to do that. Because most women would be terrified talking about raising $5 million, talking about walking into boardrooms, talking to stiff old male suits, which I'm sure you encounter a lot of in the insurance world. And so what gives you the balls to that? Where did you get that from? Do you know, it's funny. I think as you get a bit older, as you start to learn more about yourself, you 
worry less about what you're not good at and you start to just have ultimate faith in what your strengths are. And so I have balls in a certain context, right? Like not in everything. I don't, like I said before, with technology, I, I couldn't do that in that forum about yeah, that if you had Yeah, if you had to walk into a room full of tech entrepreneurs, you'd be like, mm, probably not for, not my room. And I think everybody has their thing where on any given day, they'd fucking slay in front of any audience, right? And for me, my thing is storytelling, transforming big businesses, having that vision. I've got a lot of skills and experience in organizational culture and understanding human behavior, blah, blah. That's my track. That's my thing. And it's very easy to say, well, that person has heaps of confidence and that person doesn't. But the truth is, if you just plug in to that space where you are a lord or it's your thing, you know, whatever, we've all got one. And it could be anything like, it, you know, whatever it might be that you are ultimately confident and feeling like you're in full self. That's where the balls come from. Mm. And, and also having like done the work. Like for me, this is game day. My whole career, I have built and worked and learnt lessons about how to pitch and how to speak. I wasn't technically pitching, but I was telling stories and I was coming up with narratives about an organization or its future or a vision for leadership or whatever it might be, diversity and inclusion. I do a lot of work in that space. So I've been honing these skills over time and now it's just game day as it's all come together, everything in my career, pieced together with the actual idea, pieced together with the co-founders that I've got behind me. And this is just my moment kind of thing. And I think everyone can have that moment, right? You can't necessarily force it. But if you know you're always working towards it, the moment will come where you have that confidence and you can kind of get it done. Why do you think that there are so few female disruptors? Because this isn't common. I think, I mean, maybe in America, it's a lot more common. But in Australia, we have a few. But definitely, if you look at the even tech industries, like the industries that are currently blowing up, they're very few of them are female led. Yeah, it's a massive problem. And and I think, you know, gender equality in general is something we're just not moving the needle on. And there's a lot of systemic things in place that are reasons why women are not getting ahead. And I think it's very easy to go down the rabbit hole of self-sabotage, imposter syndrome. It's not us. We're not actually the problem. The machine was built in the interest of men. And I don't say that in a man-hater way. That was just the reality. You know, banks and big business and the big end of town, that was all built around a culture that didn't include women essentially. And so I think there's a lot of unlearning to be done within the corporate system about what value women can have in that environment. It's interesting that you say that we've just gone through the process of getting a mortgage. And it was really interesting because all of the documents that came to us, came to us with Tim's name first they always called Tim's phone rather than mine. And it was a really interesting thing because my business was the one that was creating the funding for the mortgage in the first place. Yeah. And Tim was like, it's so interesting that all this stuff's coming with my name on it. And even when we got married, you know, I put my name on the invites and everything first. Tim was a little bit like, isn't my name supposed to be first? But this is the culture. I'm right? making a this point, the- honey. Yeah, legit. Yeah. I'm, I'm making a stand. Very momentary <laughs> minor stands. It's not that he yeah. doesn't love me. He doesn't value women. It's just that culturally we don't think like that. We've been conditioned yeah. to think a certain way. And I think gender roles are natural. We're never going to get to a place where there aren't gender roles. But, you know, the data is in. Women-led businesses outperform male-led businesses. Diverse teams do better than single-sex 
or white male teams or whatever, or any kind of non-diverse team. But, you know, it's hard coded into jobs, even just the fact that jobs are nine to five or more than that. And there, you know, there's also a lot of things that need to be unraveled and unwound a little bit to create a bit more space for women to sort of step forward. There is a big problem with funding and venture funding. So last year, I think there was about 330 billion, check my facts, about 330 billion deployed in venture capital funding and less than 2% went to female founders. There is bias in that system that says the system invests in familiar. You look like me, you sound like me, I'm more likely to invest in you. It invests in people who know people through the school that my dad went to. And there are barriers within that. I also think a lot of women, many women who are capable of this may not have the financial independence to actually get it done. This has been a lot of work. I'm not on the payroll yet. And so it requires a level of financial stability, which we know in the world of gender equality in general, that's often not the case. So it's a real matrix of reasons. And I think out the other side, is why we get such poor statistics around women, you know, dominating sort of the ASX list or the big business, the big end of town, I suppose. Mm. And thank you for your perspective because that was very wholesome. But what I want to know is even the thought, yeah, the thought, the original seed of thought that goes, because I think we all have them every now and then, don't we? Like we, we often are like... So, yeah, like often we'll be like, oh, why don't they just make this like this? You know, like I just yeah. don't get why I don't have just this thing. And so how did you know when you had that thought to then not only just have the thought and pursue it, okay, I've had the thought, what happened next? Like what was your next step? Like did you talk to your husband about it? Well, I was on an ideas ban at the time with my husband because <laughs> for me, I remember that. <laughs> I don't know about many, like there's probably many entrepreneurial women and men who listen, but we're often multi-potential, right? And I think we're often told that you should just have an idea and pursue it. I was always having ideas. I just sunk a lot of money into working with you and other things around another business that I was pursuing. And so I was on an ideas ban. So I sort of rolled over to my husband and said, and he was like, don't, don't. And then I like kind of whispered it and he was like, I'm not, and just rolled over and ignored me. So then I went kind of into a validation space. I'm going to tell Steph and I'm going to, I've got a friend, Justin, who, you know, he's known me for a very, very long time. He's actually in tech. He's a very balanced human. I am not a balanced human. I am a rah-rah human. And if these two people don't last, like if they get it, I'll go to the next step. And so that's where we had that call. And I also had a call with Justin and I'm like, am I, am I a bit mental? And he was like, no, I don't think you are. I think you've got something here and, and sort of similar with you. I was like, so let's talk about an insurance company. And then that's fuel for me. I just need that little bit of a whiff of fuel to go, okay, next step, next step. When did you eventually get your husband on board? How long did that take? Oh, I wish I remember. I think after the chat with Justin, and it was actually one of his friends that was the first investor, I think he just had to marinate a little bit longer on it because I go from zero to a hundred and he just kind of goes to a place of, well, is this the one? Do I need to get excited? Do I need to change our bank account passwords? What are we doing here? <laughs> that was that journey. And I'm a bit like that. I just need a little whiff of fuel to say, yes, go next step. And there's been those little whiffs all, all along the way where you pitch to people and you just see they get it and we get accepted into an accelerator program or more investment or whatever it might be. That's just kind of what keeps me going, I suppose, with the, the next step. 
And so what happens next? So you've taken a lot of steps. It's taken, it's, what, it has a been two time. years? Yeah, yeah it's two years. years. Yep, yeah. Yep. And yeah. so what is the next step? How far off having Peachy app on our phones are we? We're pretty close. So I've got a few things that are swirling around at the moment that could just be the last little piece of the puzzle that we need. The main thing relates to, to the product, the actual insurance product that we're wanting to take to market and just making sure that that does all the things we want it to do. There's a lot of insurance products out there that you can distribute, but there are things about the peachy product that we want to be different and really tailored to this audience. And that's not easy. So it's not easy to just have an insurance product underwritten or backed or change something that exists. So. We're kind of in the last little conversations. We've probably got two or three parties in those conversations where we're negotiating the final little, I guess, finishing touches, I suppose, on what those policies look like and everything else is ready to go from then. So once we have those signed off, it's then just plugging the tech together, integrating sort of all the documents and fun stuff behind the scenes that goes with distributing an insurance product and then pressing go. It's so interesting and congratulations, honestly. Congratulations. Oh, like, we're so, so, so Save huge. the champagne. I always say save the champers. Save that. We're save nearly that. there. <laughs> and I, I think the most incredible thing is just you talk about insurance policies and things like that. And usually I'd be like, oh. <laughs> and probably you as well, right? But, but this is so different. This actually interests me. And I think that's why you will change the future of insurance because for people of our demographic, you know, put your line in the sand. I'm sure you have one. But in the younger demographics from, you know, 18 through to 45 or whatever it is, we're bored of insurance. We're bored of like insurance policies that don't actually cover us for the shit that actually matters and the things yeah. we're actually passionate about, the things that we're actually the most terrified to lose outside of our standard house and our standard car, you know? So yeah. it's cool that you get to write insurance policies for things that we actually care about. Yeah. And I think it's one of our pillars is making insurance relevant. You and I are probably on the, maybe, I won't say you and I, I'm older than you. I'm on the geriatric end of millennial. <laughs> but when we start to talk about Gen Z, there's talk about a generation that may never own a home or not have an aspiration to own a home or a car. It's a different time and a place. And I think anyone who wants to go big, Often all you have to do is look at what already exists that's no longer serving that younger customer. There is so much within our corporate society, within the brands that we buy from, that just we take for granted as being the dominant players. They were built on a different generation. They, they were built around different values. They were built around different customers. So that is so right. Like forget insurance for a second. You know, all of that stuff, that legacy industry and it covers almost everything, that is so ripe to be transformed and nuanced for us, for younger people. And I think that's where go back to that gender equality and general inclusion of all people, all that kind of stuff. That's the real opportunity for anyone wanting to go big, you know, and I think it's just such an exciting place to, to play in. It is. It so is. And thank you for that beautiful piece of advice. I was, I was going to ask, what would Are you we? say to somebody wanting to get? But it was perfect. You nailed it. <laughs> Well, we are so looking forward to having Peachy in our hot little hands. Thank you so much for talking to me today, especially around that getting investment. And you're so right. It's so interesting. It's like everything is usually there. You just have to look for it. Totally. Yeah. And again, no one raises us to say, hey, when you grow up, 
this is what you're going to do. You're going to have a big idea and you're going to ask people for money and they're going to give it to you and then you're going to win. Like, I don't know anyone that got that narrative. You know, like, no one got that narrative. Well, I mostly got from my parents. Money doesn't grow on trees, love. You know, buy buy a house, do a thing, which is great too. I'm not shitting on that. But yes, I'm just glad to start sharing that message. And that's something I'm super passionate about is people understanding that that's a reality. That's a world out there that they can be part of, essentially. I love it. So, Catherine, where can they learn more about you, about your journey, about where you're going, about Peachy? Where would you want to send them? Oh, good question. LinkedIn, you can learn all about me, Catherine Clayton, and it's Peachy on Insta. You can keep an eye on everything to do with our launch and our journey forward. So excited for you. Guys, we would love to know if you enjoyed today's episode, if you learned something, if something dropped in for you, if you were maybe inspired, enlightened, maybe if something inside of you went, you know what? I do want a disrupted industry. Please let us know. Be sure to share it. Tag myself and Catherine. We would love to know your thoughts. I know Catherine is so open to having these conversations and is a real cheerleader for small business community and wanting women to win as well. So if you guys have any questions for Catherine, I'm sure she'd be delighted to help you. But Catherine, thank you so much for jumping on with me today. Thanks, Steph. It's been amazing. Babe, thank you for tuning into today's episode. It means the absolute world to have you here with me. If you want more, head to the show notes below to check out our latest free resources, along with the exclusive link for podcast listeners to book in a free 15-minute strategy session to find out how you can boom your biz.